you are listening to a production of the Toe Network. This is Laser Knees number 115, Burning Bridges. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Machine Sentai Kira Major, episode 9, The Karuta Path of My Youth, and episode 10, The Girl Who Chases Shiguru. Our writer for both is Naruhisa Arakawa, our director is Yamaguchi Kyohei, so we're back to our core production team. Always nice to see him. Little bit of an unexpected guest callback. I was wondering why the girl who played Murasame Makino Sena's childhood rival looked so familiar. Uh, And I looked her up prior to our recording, and she's played by Kondo Risa, who was a guest actress in one episode of Lupot as Akagi Mana. The girl Keitro shared a bit of a love of classical music with and won our hearts with how cool he could be. That's that girl. Oh, dang. All right, well then, uh, having covered some cool information, because I think that's really neat, I guess we'll just get into the bad stuff that we're kind of alluding to here. So, um, yeah, Sono, let's get going. Yeah, uh, my big problem with Nine, and I think possibly my only problem with Nine? Yeah, more or less. More or less, my, my big main problem with Nine is that we repeatedly see Makino viciously bully Senna in their youth, out of a game that she enjoys, and we just never really address the fact that she bullies Senna, and instead the episode makes Makino, like, the victim in all this. Like, this girl was supposedly a really good friend of Senna's, then bullied her for years to the point where the word fault brings back trauma flashbacks, since, you know, Senna seemed to be in middle or high school when she quit, and they played in elementary school. So, For years, this went on. And the big reveal is, oh, but this girl was just jealous of how good Senna was. Boo-hoo. Like, you still bullied your best friend out of a game she loved to play with you because it meant she got something to do with you and you bullied her out of it because you couldn't beat her all the time? Because she beat her sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, that's awful. It is. Cool motive, kid. Still complete nonsense. I mean, you know, in fairness, it's not murder, but... Eh, eh. It's still not great. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks real bad. Senna, Senna is just expected to forgive her and, like, hang out with her again and play this game with her again. She barely gets an apology. And I don't trust this girl not to get bitter and spiteful and hurt Senna again if years after Senna cut her out of her life, she's willing to just appear and start saying nasty things to her and mocking her accomplishments, which are like, she broke national records. And this girl's showing up being like, oh, well, you can't do anything else. Like, lady, what? Yeah, the no. the reading of the card at the end makes it sound like Senna and Makino are like the waters that got separated and now they're rejoining. But Makino is like the jagged rocks that forced Senna away. Like, girl, you did this to yourself. You don't deserve anything. Mm. Like, sorry, I ain't here for bullies. No, it's true. We This is a thing we have established about you for quite some time. Stemming, at the very least, from another Narhis Arakawa show. Don't like bullies. Not my thing. Not into it. And look, bringing that up, we've said before on on this show that even Arakawa can't always write winners, and sometimes he just he he leans into bad calls, and this is kind of one of those times. Because the nicest thing I think that you could say is, oh, it's not that the other kids don't like you; 
they're just jealous of how great you are, which, I mean, first off, even if that's true, which, honestly, you know, that's not really how it works, but even if it was, that doesn't help, because the kids are still being awful, and just like, oh, bear it because you're just better than them? That's not actually a helpful message. Whatever happens, the awful behavior has to be addressed as the thing it is. You can talk about its origins, and, and look, that can be helpful, but you don't put understanding the awfulness on children before the awfulness has been stopped. I'm, I'm very big on trying to see other people's point of view, and, and also on trying to figure out if, hey, maybe you suck in this equation, and, and find the ways that it's your fault, if, if indeed such way exists. Because look, you can be a jerk without meaning to, and, and it can set things off, and hey, that's a thing to check for. But at the same time, putting the responsibility on the person whose transgression is playing the game they're both supposed to be playing, and having one advantage that's not even, like, it's not an unfair advantage, it's just one of those things she's good at, that the other person, like, it's clearly not a match for the other person's different advantage, because, as we see, Makino understands how to mess with Senna, even though Senna has the speed. So, like, that's not on. That's not cool. Not even a little. And, like, I guess another take is that it's, it's, oh, hey, the boy who, like, pulls your hair in class, uh, he does it because he likes you, so you have to keep letting him do it? Which, like, also, not great. <laughs> yeah, uh, God, that's, that's, I got that one a lot as a kid, because I was bullied from a young age, and I'd get that, and I'm like, uh, it's not act, that's not how a person who likes me generally seems to act. So... Even if it's even if that is how they act, um, that's not the right way to act to someone you like. And maybe you should pull the kid aside and be like, "Hey, stop doing that." Call me crazy. That's what I feel like a responsible adult would do. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I feel like if Senna had been like, "Hey, I now understand why you did what you did, and I forgive you, but it really hurt me, and I don't want to hang out with you again." Like, I don't know, that's what I want, quite frankly. Honestly, same. I, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of social harmony when it when people come by it honest. But the, the dishonest, like, oh, hey, if they bully you, it's just because of nonsense reason, and we're not actually going to make the person who hurt you apologize or be in trouble. Like, no. Sorry, no. I yeah, don't I... buy forgiveness without, like, I, I don't buy asking for forgiveness if you do not first say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Yeah, and it's like, I, and I don't want anyone to come at me because I know Makino, like, as she's, like, air quotes, dying and being turned into a card, I know she says, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. You gotta do more than that. Yeah, I don't trust a deathbed confession. Sorry. It's a thing where even if she's sorry, I don't feel like Senna is obligated to, one, accept the apology, but if Senna wants to, then fine. But I don't feel like she's obligated to, like, let this person back into her life because they apologized. Yeah, yeah, I mean, hey, it, 
good for you that you changed, but a, a thing I have learned, you know, I'm closer to 40 than 20, that's for sure, in, in my life, is that some things you, you don't get to apologize your way out of. Some things, they just stay messed up, and it sucks, but you just have to live with it because there's nothing to be done. Like, yeah, you've it's... apologized, they might even say they forgive you, but it's like, mm, no, we aren't we aren't hanging out anymore. So. Yeah, it's, like, I, I don't know, I'm big on at least letting stuff go, if not forgiving, uh, depending on the circumstances, but you're not obligated to have anyone in your life. And especially since we're definitely never gonna see this girl again. <laughs> yep. I wish Senna had just been like, look, I forgive you, but Karta isn't part of my life anymore, and it's clearly still a big part of yours, and I don't think those, I don't think our lives should intersect. Yep. Hey, and we just you never have see fun them together again. I'll, if I feel like getting back into the game, I'll come say hi. But uh, right now I've got, like, tracks to run. Like, I'm definitely mad that this girl never apologized for belittling Senna's actual career, which is, like, Olympic-level athlete. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, because there should be, hey, I'm sorry, I'm actually very impressed, I just knew it would hurt you, and I was being kind of a petty jerk. I feel like a part of apologizing is, okay, this is the thing I did, uh, and it sucks, and it makes me, it makes me look bad. I, yeah, I did the bad where... thing, and it sucks. Like, you don't, don't minimize it. Like, if she had gone, like, yeah, I, just, I know, that was some petty nonsense, I just wanted to hurt you, because I just have never been able to accept how cool you are. It was really terrible, I'm, I'm really sorry. Yeah, the part where she never, like, expresses that she knows what she did wrong is the part that gets me. And I really, there's, I have no reason to believe that she's changed. Given that at the beginning of this episode, she showed up and was being petty and belittled Senna's national, if not world, records. Yeah. which Like, like that doesn't seem like someone who has changed over the years. Yeah, that seems like someone who's kind of nursing a grudge. And, like, look, even even as I understand that it's like, aha, this is how we show that, you know, why her and Senna don't get along. It's like, well, that's actually a very good reason not to get along with someone, though. Yeah. That's I mean, a very good can, reason. You can do that without having her, like, show up to Senna jogging with her friends and being like, oh, all you're good at is running away. And, like, lady, where did you even come from? Also, like, hey, you know what? In a world, in a world where there are giant monsters, one girl having the power to run away is actually very useful. <laughs> like, never mind that she's actually one of the superheroes fighting the, the giant monsters. You know what? I'm glad if someone can get away from the giant monster. <laughs> I wish I could get away from the giant monster. If that had been the prompt, like, if that was why she was mean to her, we could talk. It's like, yeah, someone I know, we were running away from the monster, and I just kept thinking, if I could run as fast as you, maybe this bad thing wouldn't have happened. And, like, that's still stupid and petty and bad, but at least it's, like, from a recent trauma. And I could kind of be like, I mean, you're being kind of a jerk, but it's recent enough that I get it. <laughs> 
but... And, like, I get why the team wanted to ask her for help. Oh, yeah. But I I really felt for Senna because she's panicking over having someone who hurt her so deeply be, like, within her sight line for any amount of time. Yeah, because especially since it's not like, as we were just saying, Makino is just going for all of her anxieties at once, on purpose, while also trying to give her more anxieties. Like, look, I understand why the team asks her. And Senna, she's being really cool about it. But Makino is just not being chill at all. She could be cool for like a second. But she just spends the whole time like, meh, you did it wrong. Anyway, moving on into 10, because... Yeah, because I mean, Makino you know, is the problem. That's the I problem know. with the episode. It's it's just the the bones of this episode of episode nine in general are troubling. For ten, part of me is a little bugged that we had a plot of member of the team doesn't want to face this specific civilian that they know outside of heroing like two episodes in a row. I confess, like, and this isn't me telling you how you feel. I actually thought it was kind of a neat idea because. Especially since I feel like we're probably doing, like, a cycle of that, so that we can, like, come around to Juru and that girl that he, who wanted him to draw her back in episode zero and one. See, if that turns out to be the case, I will take this back, because that's actually interesting. But, you know, until, but we aren't there yet, so I'm... Yeah, and it's gonna be three weeks until we find out if that's what's going on. At Um, least, Yeah. So, and I mean, like, even if it is just these two episodes, it's not a huge deal. It's not like it was the same episode twice. Uh, The tone was drastically different between the two episodes. The reasoning was very different. They're very different episodes. It's just seeing them back to back, like the bit of them being like, oh, well, we should ask Makino for help. And Senna being like, no, I don't want to. And then being like, but we have to. And then her leaving. And Shiguru, and like Sayo being like, oh, we need to talk to this girl. And Shiguru being like, you have a, you have fun with that. I'm not going. And then Sayo being like, yeah, you're going. We're doing this. Like seeing those kind of back to back felt a little weird. I can get with that. Like I, I think even if there was one episode of not that between the two, I wouldn't even think about it. Um, but it is what it is. And if it is part of a larger arc that's about that. That would be really cool, and it's not anywhere near a deal-breaker, or even really any kind of actual problem. It just felt- it made things feel kind of weighted, weirdly. I can see that. I am gonna talk about how I am kind of into this episode's handling of Io as a character, because on the whole I find her to be really fun and kind of a not-terrible take on this trope, Mm. but I am a little shaky on her not taking Shiguru's rejection as a rejection. I mean, I guess it's good to tell kids to give a firm no if you don't want to do something with someone, but it seemed to me like he did give a firm no, she demanded a reason in a very manipulative way and then twisted his explanation. He says he says no and she's like, "Oh, do you hate me?" which is super manipulative and Ain't it just. got my back up in a lot of ways uh because that is that is a very personal phrase. Well, and it it sucks and that, that comes to some very personal traumas. No, I'm I'm with you. Especially the the give me a reason. 
and the extraction of promises. Uh, <laughs> been there. It's not fun. And but like the, the specifically, do you hate me? Like, oof, that's, got my back that is so a far low up, blow, dude. Yeah, I don't blame you. Cause like, cause like he says no. Obviously, he says no. Otherwise, why would she come out and say that? And he says outright, like, I'm not interested in a relationship because I want to focus on my job. It's hard. This job is really difficult, and I don't have time for outside relationships. Especially a year ago, he definitely didn't. I don't know, and then the Kirame-san saying that the problem is he said he could never hate her. Like, what? He doesn't have to hate her to not want to be in a relationship with her. Yeah, the, the, in fact, the, I'm a big proponent of, hey, if you don't want to be a, in a relationship with someone, that is all the reason you should need. Just say, no, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's more complicated than that, I understand, in the real world, but if, like, if it's a casual thing, just... I don't want to. That's a good reason. Yeah, and I mean, here, he's not even dating her yet. It's yeah, not like exactly. he's breaking up with her. They exactly. don't have a relationship. Yeah. Do you want and to go out? No. That's That should be the end of it. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. And I understand his whole, like, I can't hate a fan, because his career is built on the support of his fans, and he appreciates that support. Yeah. It clearly means a lot to him with how emotional he gets about that. But still, he says no. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean she has to stop being a fan, or even that she really has to stop having a crush on him, but it does mean that she needs to accept that he said no. This isn't on him. No. He put his cards on the table, and Eo ignored them. Yeah, and there's just a lot too much of people take about everyone saying, hey, you should take responsibility for her life. And that's just, that's not his job. That's not anyone's job. That, in fact, sucks a lot. Because <laughs> it's not his fault that he doesn't think of things from the perspective of someone who, on who thinks only of themselves and their own obsessions. He said, I don't want to. And her taking that to an unhealthy place and twisting it around? That's not his fault. Honestly, he was trying to be nice. And that's a thing we should all do the people the person who broke the social contract here is the person who took him being nice and wanted to dance around his the core the, the message of what he was saying when he was being nice and trying to rules lawyer that rejection he did everything right you're supposed to be nice because otherwise every like every rejection is gonna be a freaking sadistic heartache and, and people are going to have even harder time asking each other out. It's going to get more fraught and more loaded. And no one needs that. Dating's hard. It just is. But if everyone has to be like, no, I don't want to date you, and I never want to see you again. Like, if that's the thing you have to say every time for them to get just the bare minimum of... No, thanks, I'm not interested. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. And the Kirame Stones basically demanding that that be the standard, that sucks too. Narahisa Arakawa, I don't know when the last time you've dated was, but hey man, have a, have a thought for the people who are going to get rejected. Again, establishing firm no as a thing kids should be able to say is good. 
but he didn't not say that. No, she just she just didn't want to hear it and plowed on regardless, and everyone had her back, and, um, that sucks. Like, I'm glad everyone's like, hey, well, maybe you weren't clear, but, I mean, again, it sounded to me like he was pretty clear. <laughs> he just didn't want to break her heart because she's not a bad person. It's just, yeah. hey, I want to go out with you. I don't want to go out with you. Do you hate me? No. I just, I just don't want to go out with you in the nicest way possible. At, th- at which point she should be like, okay, hey, sorry to have caused so much trouble. I just, I thought this was a thing. I was wrong. I misread the situation. Sorry, man. We cool? You know, then they can fist bump and just part as as acquaintances, and that's fine. Honestly, I want to see that happen in one of these shows. Just, just for modeling, hey, you could be all, like, high drama and stuff, or you could just be cool. You could just be chill. Hey, do you want to? No. Okay. I'm a little disappointed. I understand. Um, sorry. Fist bump. Just, and leave. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> anyway, speaking of things that are great, or at least very good, uh, let's talk about the things we enjoyed, because otherwise I'm just going to end up babbling about how really malformed a lot of our ideas about dating and rejection are and how they just kind of fuel a lot of really unhealthy stuff. But that's all true, by the way. Anyway, episode nine, good things, let's go. Okay, so I was immediately, like, really charmed by Juru and Tametomo running with Senna. Like, at, at first I thought she was alone, but then the two of them pull up, and I'm glad that she didn't, like, pull any punches and go easy on them, because it was a good, like, maybe four or five seconds before they caught up. And just after the, the hey, let's train Juru really badly arc, I'm happy to see the team still training together and trying to get better by learning from one another. Except now doing it in healthy ways. Yeah, real nice. And, and like, they, they do their best to learn their lessons, which, hey, good plan. Because training is good for you in a lot of ways along a lot of axes. And having friends to train with makes it a lot easier to make sure you do it. Though that is um, kind of a nightmare in the here and now, isn't it? Like, hey, everybody, make sure you're practicing your self-isolating as much as possible and practicing responsible social distancing when you're out. I know that a lot of places are trying to, quote, reopen, end quote, but um, global pandemics don't care even a little bit about that. So be responsible, people. We, We want you to stay around and alive and not get the corona because, uh, that sucks and could also kill you. Like, I just don't want you to be dead. You seem like very nice people, in as much as you listen to our podcast, and that's all I ask. Honestly, it's a lot more than I ask. I do not expect anyone to download this. So I'm always glad when you do. Anyway, I'm just going to shut up because I am making way too many asides tonight. I am so sorry. Um, So as much as I really don't like Makino, I do appreciate the guts it takes to march like right on into a Sentai battle win it barehanded, and then scold the Sentai for not doing it right. Uh, that, that takes some things, and I appreciate that, and I wish someone who I liked more was doing it. <laughs> How does she keep finding Senna, though? Like, girl, are you just following your rival around to upset her? Because there are way more productive things you can do with your day, and I'm begging you, please, like, get a hobby. Either that, or just go full supervillain, 
because honestly, hating someone that much, you should get some spandex and like a skull t-shirt and just like appear out of nowhere and do speeches at them about how pitiful they are and how you will crush them with your iron might or whatever. I'm just admittingly, that's perhaps the, the least healthy thing you could do, but I, I confess, I just kind of wanted to see a bit where the, the Marskman tries to recruit her, because I feel like she'd be a pretty useful addition to the forces of Jotunheim. Like, she's got guts, she's preternaturally good at finding the Sentai, uh, she can wreck one of them on a psychological level with words, thus disrupting her Kira mentality. Like, look, we've only got two people on the bad guy's side, and I like them both. But I'm just saying Machina would be a great addition. There's a frustration. I mean, look, you know I love lady villains, and yeah, I do it... want ones that are not, like, covered in a suit. Yeah, and she'd be great. We'd, we'd have the frustrated artist, the, the jerk-faced little brother, and a schoolyard bully. Like, that's a great calamentality tea. Calamentality. What a wonderful phrase. Calamentality. Sorry. I'm apparently in a Broadway mood. Well, a, a musical mood. I mean, it is on Broadway. They sing that song in the Broadway version. That's I figured, but no. It means more worries for your very short days. I, I don't know what the, the counterpart to, to problem-free philosophy would be, but... Um... Many problems. Causing yeah. problems on purpose. Yes. <laughs> um, it was actually really, speaking of them, it was kind of cute that the red dude whose name I've already forgotten... Uh, was worried about Garza when he was kind of just sulking about. The two of them have a really fun dynamic, and I'd just really love to know anything at all more about the red guy. Yeah, same. He's a neat fella. And honestly, I like when the baddies have backstories and relationships and such. So, like, yeah, give him a focus episode. He deserves one. He's cool. Yeah, just, like, tell me what his deal is. Why is he doing this? Yeah, I mean... How is he in this? Yeah, sure, I, I want to know how Yodon, like, hey, did he? is he just a frustrated artist? What's going on? I He seems neat. I appreciate that Juru saw Senna, like, really distressed over all this and was like, okay, Senna solved problems by running fast, so obviously she needs to be moving as fast as possible. How can I get her moving as fast as possible and still be able to talk this out with her? <laughs> And then was like, oh, I will bring Mach to turn into a car that she can drive really fast. And I can talk to her in the car. And also he can talk. Like, that was really sweet. That was actually kind of like a really well thought out plan that I maybe read too much into. But I, I don't know. The nuance, the nuance seems there because Juru's had that kind of nuance up until now. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, if we're gonna have a leader in the Sentai team. I'm, I always go back and forth about it, but if we're gonna do it, I like the leader he is, because he's he's a nurturing type. And it occurs to me that we don't get to see a lot of nurturing reds. Like, lots of hotheads, lots of energetic ones, lots of super dramatic ones, but not so many full-on nurturers. The, the most recent one I can think of would be, like, Yamato back in Zhuojer, but even then, like, it's been a bit, we've had some hotheads, and, and yeah, just, I like a nurturer. Yeah, it's Yamato and Alita, and um, I can't remember his name from Gal Ranger. I feel like those are the three big, like, nurturing reds. 
prior to Jiru. Um, and Jiru honestly reminds me a lot of Alita. And I like that. I really, because I love him. I thought he was a great red. And it's nice to see that sort of role again, because there really aren't that many of them. It's it's usually either, like, the super cool, uh, like, Akashi or Captain Marvelous type, or the really energetic, like, Lucky or Bon. Which, you know... And, I mean, those types are great. It's just, you know, it's nice to have a third. And I... Especially since... Okay, I don't know how prevalent it is in Japanese media, but in a lot of Western media, at the very least, you don't see a lot of dudes in nurturing roles. And I just, I always like to see it. It's good to see dudes having people's backs in in touchy-feely, nurturing sort of ways, because, hey, being a dude is more than just, like, yelling and shooting guns and pretending you don't have emotions. Because that will uh, kill you. Yes. To death. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of killing people to death, uh, Garza coming in to be the Karuta reader was actually, like, really funny and cool. I really enjoyed that. Like, getting to see him participate in a more goofy episode instead of just kind of backseating until the goofiness was over was really fun. And I liked the fact that he had a trick up his sleeve for when they were losing. And, you know, that helped it, the goofiness not make Garza seem less threatening. Like, it was it was a really cool little setup. And I'm glad that they seem to have kind of learned from the Zamigo mistake. Oh, Zamigo. And, cause, God, yeah, no. it's Zamigo was such a waste. And... Like, I like that- I'm glad that they're not keeping Garza in the background to stand there and be cool and mysterious and never actually do anything. Because, like, I'm I'm still leaning into my theory that Geysorg was really popular, uh, so they wanted to have a similar role even more prevalent. Um, because as much as Geysorg was really big in the second half of the story, he really wasn't in the first half so much. No, he wasn't, but- Boy, those handful of times he popped up. Oh, yeah. It it always meant something when he was there. But I think now they're like, okay, we want him as a big through line. And, well, I mean, look, he was really cool. And having them play with a lot of the, the Geysorg stuff with Garza, I'm, I am a-okay with that. Because he absolutely feels like an evolution on a lot of those beats and moments while still being his own thing. Which, of course, is the most important part for any Sentai villain. I honestly, we're we're only ten episodes in. I really love Garza. Oh yeah, he's so much fun because he's such a petty baby. Yes, he is the absolute worst, but also a part of like he does the classic supervillain thing. I I always talk about this, but it's he takes this small, petty, very human emotion and just pumps it all the way up. <laughs> like, the, le- the the dial stops at 10, he pumps it to 15. It's great. On what? Oh, everyone thinks my brother's cooler than I am. Grr. That's it! <laughs> I love it! He's so petty, and it makes him so interesting and fun, and the fact that he'll, like, murder dudes for, like, really petty reasons yeah, I- makes him really interesting and threatening. Like, Heat Miser and Snow Miser, he just wrecked them. Why? Cuz. Hey, hey, what's up? 
uh, Snow Miser, I forget his actual name, but here, have the power drink. Why? Hey, you're you're the little brother. I'm a little brother too. I get you, dude. And then it just makes him explode. Why? Because. Did you think I was that much of a sucker? That's that's amazing. I love it. Anyway, let's let's move on because I could just talk about how great Garza is for a long time. He's so great. He's so he good. Uh, the other Kira Majors and even Makino getting turned into Karuta cards when they lost was actually really funny. Um, like, they did a really good job in this episode of balancing the goofiness of the scenario with the tension of people potentially dying because either a card explodes on their face or they turn into a card. Which then explodes. <laughs> Which, I, I don't know, I always bring up the, the appropriateness for genre and audience as a thing I appreciate with a lot of Sentai, but this is one of them because it's a great threat that is low stakes while also being incredibly high stakes. And it's it's just because the weird horror of it, because it's, it's not quite as frightful as some of the weird transformations followed by deaths that they've done before, but it's also just like, okay, there's a bomb on your face, though. Ah, Because that's just stressful. And look, you shouldn't bust out the real horror this early, so I appreciate that they've just got that nice balance. I, I seem to recall some of the Zhuoger Villain of the Week plots actually kind of being properly frightful and good, but also they used them so early that they just they didn't have anything by the end of the show, which one of many problems with Zhuoger, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it also didn't help that What's-His-Face was just bored. Yeah. Like, there'd be these really frightful villain plots, and he would just be like, yeah, but I'm bored, though. Yeah. Where, like, here, the red dude is totally into it, and Garza's even willing to play the game. Garza will step in and do it, and kind of have his own thing going on. So everyone's invested in what they're doing. Speaking of, I just, I'd never heard of Karuta before. That's actually a really cool and poetic game. I love that. Just I don't think I've ever seen it like played proper before, but I feel like when I was taking Japanese classes, we had done something similar as like a vocab game. Um, maybe like you know, like Baby's First Card or something. It's a good one. Yeah. So like as they're playing, and even then we did, even if we. Didn't I? Because a couple of times I think we did something similar to Karuta, but we uh we would just do like flashcards for Kanji, and we'd just put them out on the table, and she'd call one out, and it had all the intensity of the games that like Senna oh, yeah. and Makino were playing. So I was having like war flashbacks. <laughs> like we got hurt doing those. We were really competitive. No, that I believe it though. For some reason, I find language classes just, just bring out some savagery in people. I mean, we were really close. We were a really tight-knit class. I'm still friends with a lot of them. Um, I felt bad. There was, a, there was a much older man in our class. I think he was maybe in, like, his 60s. Um, older, I think, Taiwanese man who was learning it. Something to do with his daughter. I forget exactly the reason. And he never really wanted to, like, go in on the card game. Because we were always, I think we were maybe a little too intense for him. But even if he did play and, like, got one, he would just give it to someone. Oh. And I was, like, he was so sweet. He was the sweetest man. 
Um, but it, this definitely reminded me of of our games. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe our teacher did call it car because she would call it carta, which I I just assumed she was doing like a, a katakana reading of card. Um, I don't know if maybe it was like sort of derived from this, but it it definitely had all the intensity. Oh yeah. Of those games. Like with the car, like slamming down and the cars go flying. Yeah, that was how we played. Except there, instead of like one on one, it would be like fifteen of us gathered around. A oh table. no! Yikes! Yeah, I believe someone got hurt during that. And I mean, the class got smaller as the semesters went on because people would drop and not go to the next level. Uh, but there were still maybe ten of us by the end of the fourth semester. Not bad. And uh, it still got intense. Mm. We we played that game to nice. Uh, but personal anecdotes aside, um, as much as I don't like the overall conflict that Makino's presence brings up for Senna, I do like that once Senna was told like, "Hey, maybe she was just jealous and upset about losing to you." And Senna just goes up to her and is like, as as she's sort of like getting and is like hey, and is like dying and is like, hey, were you like jealous of how great I am? Like, girl doesn't beat around the bush. Look, her power is speed, and you don't get where you're going by taking a lot of detours. You know? Yeah, I just I like that she didn't try and like fish that information out of her. She's just like, hey, were you jealous of me being cool? I mean, I, I still don't like that Makino's response to losing was to bully her best friend into quitting the game that her best friend enjoyed sharing with her. No, that And sucks. then belittled her every time she saw her for, like, a decade afterwards. That's still bad. That's still real bad. Don't do that. Yeah, to put it mildly, that is uh, subpar behavior. Just don't. I do like that Senna got to, like, make her speed, which is what she thought was a weakness in Karta into the skill that decided her victory. Like, just paying attention to what the Marskman was, like, reaching for and just getting there first because she doesn't know the the verses in this game. I That was really cool. And they did foreshadow that kind of nicely by bringing up prior that she was capable of doing that and was kind of how she had played when she was younger. I just, I really like that they let her reclaim her confidence in the game and in her own abilities by letting her win doing the thing that she was basically having trauma flashbacks about. Yeah, which, that's awesome. And on top of everything else, it's, like, the whole thing she's getting crap for is, like, criticizing someone for playing poker by looking first at the other people around them and seeing how everyone else is reacting to their cards. It might not be how the game is supposed to be played, but it's it's not not how the game is played. Yeah, I mean, like, look, people count cards in blackjack. It's what you do. If that's a thing you're capable of, that's how you play blackjack. I've I've worked at a casino. There were some people where it's just where they would just come in, get a lot of money because they counted cards, and then they just leave. And it was just the the understanding they had was. When the pit boss said, hey, guys, that's enough for tonight, they'd say, okay, and leave. Because that's how they avoided getting banned. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't even... 
I can't count cards. I'm not. My memory isn't good. Yeah, no, I that know way. that one. But I mean, I I pay attention, and I know I can remember if certain cards have come up. So I can I can sort of count cards in that I can like I can be aware if there's how many kings are left and such, or at least how many are on the table. Like if I'm playing against other people, that's how you play games. Yeah, games no... are about strategy. Yeah, there's no one way to do it, and also like as as was shown, it's not like her winning strategy couldn't have been hacked because that's what uh, that's what Machino did, like hacked her cool strategy. So it's there's no one way to win, and that's kind of what the episode hinges on, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and, like, if this girl was able to fake Senna out by going for the wrong card, and, like, getting her to jump on the wrong card so she could grab the right one, like, why bully her out of the game at that point? Just get better at doing that. Like, build that into your strategy. Isn't that a better way to show that you're better at the game? Like, you could be the one person who wrecks the speedster. Like, everyone else is like, how do I beat her? How do I beat her? She always gets the card first. You can be the one, like, she can be the best, and then you can swoop in and be the person who beats the best. That's untouchable. That's that's going to get you more acclaim and fame than just driving someone out of the game. Because... Not to mention, I just, I like, I like the idea of the escalation between them. Just like, okay, is she going for the right one? Do I have time to read the card and make sure it's the, like, I would love to see that back and forth. That'd be some great strategy. And Makino done cheated herself out of it. Yeah. So the, the choreography of the whole team, like, slashing away the card bombs together was really nice. Like, there was just a lot of great movement, and even when we got to see everyone moving around and we did a wide- like, when we did a wide shot and there's all the cards flying around and everyone is shooting and slashing and are kind of different depths in the depth of field, like, it never felt cluttered or hard to read, which is really impressive when they had, like, 30 cards moving around five people. Mm. Like, the clarity of that fight was amazing. Honestly, and, like, they never do those wide shots anymore. Like, okay, not never, but if you watch, like, Showa-era stuff, they did a lot more of them. I missed them, so it's always nice to see them back. And on top of on top of that, like, look, like you were saying, it's all very clear. And it's that sort of touch that will take an episode that is kind of, you know, whatever on its face, and that'll make it better than it otherwise might have been. Because, boy, if it had had just terrible cinematography on top of this this really frustrating story, this would be the first one I think that we just, like, flat-out hated. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, really all of the cinematography, not even just the fight stuff, was really good. Like, the, the games felt really intense, the way that they were shot, the, the Karuta games... Really, every scene was shot and acted really well. Yes. Yeah, The the honestly, just the baseline production value on this show is quite good. As it has yeah, been in it's... Sentai for a while, honestly, but... Yeah, it's... honestly, really since Q-Ranger, 
we've had really good production values. Boy, I feel so bad for Zhu Ranger, but or Zhuoger rather, but dang Zhuoger was not good Sentai. I mean, the animal costumes were good. I'll give Zhuoger that. They didn't use them enough for that to be a thing you can hang the whole show on. Mm. But and I mean it wasn't no Except sometimes they the did production. bring in the, the rubber horse masks. That's true, they did do that. But I mean, like, look, that was only in really big crowd shots, and I can't expect them no, to make, yeah. like, 50 animal costumes. I feel like they dug all of the Geki Ranger ones back out, and, like, really anything they could get their hands on was probably in those scenes. But <laughs> they did bring out the rubber horse masks. Oh, so good. But it's Zuoger tried, and it wasn't there. There wasn't any like bad cinematography in Zuoger. There just really wasn't anything that stood out. And I think really like Q Ranger had some really standout stuff. Lupot had some really standout stuff. Ryu Soldier had some incredible stuff. It, it's really the past four years specifically have had really really good production values. Sorry, I'm still laughing. <laughs> I can't believe. I mean, you can just buy them in Japan. I do remember being in some, I think it was somewhere in Harajuku, and there was, I was in this like really narrow, like outdoor place that was full of stalls and stuff, and I just remember seeing a, like some horse masks on the side of one, and I was like, wow, wild. Yeah. That's. Mm. That's that's a nice thing you can say because those things are so freaky, man. Yeah, it just it caught me really off guard that they were there. I don't know why. It just did. I didn't expect them. But I really like that Senna got to take over the new robot in this episode and got to like win a fight with it. Yeah, and like, look, honestly, it makes more sense that she should be the one to drive it because, again, her power is speed to begin with. Yeah, and I, I like that in episode 10, she still got to be the one that used it, even if it was just for a second. Like, she still was the one that was like, okay, I'm gonna grab the new robot and we'll do this. Like, it could have been Juru. There was no reason for it not to be, but it was Senna. I mean, Garza does call it the Supersonic Titan in episode 9, and Senna's nickname does seem to be Supersonic Princess. So I'm wondering if the robot is actually meant for her, and maybe Smog Steamer is going to combine with some other little robot parts to make new robots for everyone, um, or if maybe everyone will get their own individual new robot somehow. I don't really know how that would make sense, but like having a having everyone get something to combine with Garza separately, um, I think would be a really cool idea. Yeah, um, I would be totally here for that. Especially since, honestly, the robot design is rock solid in this show. Or, I guess, diamond solid to sort of keep up with the major motifs. I like it a lot, is the thing. Yeah, like, I'd be super into everyone getting a new robot part that merges with Smog Steamer individually, and they can do that for their focus episodes. And then, once everyone has one, they can all make up one bigger cool robot later. Like, that would be some really nice upgrade robot pacing. Yes. I, I love this idea. Especially if we can postulate that 
at the very least, the the ultimate combined form is just like a big dinosaur, ra- rainbow dinosaur. Like, sure, maybe it can also turn into a robot, but I just, I want, I just like the Smog Steamer's dinosaur design, and I just want a giant one. Because, boy, that is... Uh, like, I don't, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just really glad that this robot isn't just a Juru thing. Yes. And that other characters are getting some time in the spotlight even during robot fights. Because, man, it sure has been a long time since that. Yeah, to say the least. Like, I... even even in these ones that we've liked, uh, once you're in the robot, Red is in charge. I think I think Ryu Soldier kind of played with that a bit. A bit. Uh, letting, I mean, like, no one ever got really to get in other robots the way that, uh, the way that Ko did, but... Like, they did get to kind of be in the front in their robot. Yes. Their robot got to be sort of, like, the focus robot. And then yeah. one time, uh, Asuna got to drive the whole robot because we, we pointed out, like, hey, it has more feminine body language now, and that's cool. Yeah, that was really neat. Um, but really, I feel like the last time that we really got that was maybe Maji Ranger. Yeah, it has been I really miss the... I really miss the style of cockpit where, like, the person who was the main character of the episode got to be in the front. Yeah, especially since in, in Maja Ranger, it just, it made perfect sense. It's just, hey, whoever's weird chess piece, soul seat thing slides to the floor. That's all. Because everyone is in this robot because it is their souls made manifest. Maja Ranger is a wild show, man. It really is. Man, when that third arc starts, and, like, they're introducing the gods that these wizards are going to have to fight, I lost my sugar. That's a spoiler, yeah, no, but... third arc Maji Ranger is the most... Wa- Look, it's not the big spoiler for that part, so... No, no, it's not. Um, third arc Maji Ranger is absolutely buckwild. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. The first episode, again, I just... I was just like... It, it's one of those things where they get you in just the right way, where intellectually, you're like, well, of course they're going to be okay. Their name is the title of the show. Are they going to do a Sentai where the Sentai just loses? Of course not. But on a gut level, I'm like, oh, they're dead. They're they're about to get got. Every one of them. I'm about to watch 16 episodes of some Sentai just getting ground into the dirt by some literal gods this is terrible. How are they going to get out of this? Like, and that's all you need. You just, you need to fool the gut. Anyway, um, we should probably move on. Otherwise, I, I'm just going to talk about how Magic Ranger is very much worth everyone's time. Yeah, I mean, look, we've got three weeks. Yeah, we could definitely just do an episode that's, hey, let's just talk about, like, our top five Sentai and Rider series. Yeah, look, let's do it. Yeah, I like that idea. That's I, actually... I feel because I feel like our our opening theme countdown actually went over really well. I feel like that got good numbers. Oh, cool. I feel like people liked that episode. I, I had fun with it. It's And, you know, there's a reason the internet loves lists. It's and true. And not to mention, like, I feel like our lists are going to have a lot of overlap. That's true. We have very similar tastes. Kuga and Forza are going to be in there. <laughs> God, Just yeah. a question, like, okay, Kuga, Forza, and I feel like Denno are probably going to be in somewhere in the top five for both of us. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it's just going to be a lot of, like, oh, really, is that one? Huh, 
Is that where you'd put it? Hmm. Anyway, like, that, that'd be fun. I mean, really, it's, it's a matter of, is this a top five of what I like best or what I think is the most structurally sound? See, that's going to be the tough part. Because <laughs> whichever like one that is, that changes sound, my number one. Yeah, like, because regardless, Kuga is the most structurally sound common Rider. That's, if that's ha- what we're talking about, like, if it's the most well-put-together common Rider, it's gonna be Kuga. If it's which do I like best, it's a much harder question. Oh, it's not a, it's not a harder question for me, it's just a very different answer. Because, <laughs> uh, Uchuki Ta, baby. I mean, the thing is, like, I, there's, there's Forze, there's, there is not a common Rider that's affected me the way that Blade has, but I think, like, even on an, an, an enjoyment level, I enjoyed Forze more. And then there's the matter of Kiva, and what do I do about Kiva? Because even not like, Kiva's not a good show. No, it's not, but, but I love it. I I so deeply enjoy Kiva. Kiva is so dear to my heart that, like, it's in my personal top five. But in this way of, like, which are the shows that have, like, affected me the most? So it's, like, it's it's a matter of, is it my top five, like, best, like, that I think are the best done? That I, like, enjoyed watching the most? Or that affected me? Because those are three very different lists, like, across the board. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. We will definitely have to, uh, when we get into that, we will, we will break it down before we even get going. I mean, we may, we may have to do, like, three top fives, like, here's the number one of this, and this, and this. I'd be, look, I'd be okay with that. I, I think that would be a fun show to do. Yeah. Especially since, like, honestly, that'd be one of the ones where we can just be, like, sure, I'm a big fan of, even in things I love, pointing out flaws just because I think it's a good thing to do so that you don't start standing for things because that's just mm, unhealthy. But at the same time, like... Speaking it, of! Yeah, yes, thank you. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's. We're, that's right, we're talking about these episodes of Kira Major, which is a show we enjoy. Yeah, and but speaking of getting to a point of unhealthily standing things, let's yes. talk about episode 10. Yes, thank you. Ooh, good Good segue. High five. Internet high five. Shiguru, like, pumping his fists and cheering for getting the sword thing right was so cute. That was the funniest thing. Like, he's a little more openly goofy than a typical Arakawa Blue. Um, he leans a li- like, he leans a little more hoji than he does Joe. I think that's kind of yeah. the spectrum of the stern Arakawa Blue is, like, hoji- who's a little bit goofier because the Decker Rangers got really goofy, to Joe, who was goofy but only kind of in the background. Um, and I, I, Shiguru leans much more toward Hoji. Yes, um, that's very safe. But say. I like that about him. I like it about him. I think it's really fun. I feel like him being willing to be more goofy and that we've seen him become more that way has been kind of like watching him become more comfortable around his teammates. And the fact that he was willing to be that way around Sayo, I feel like he gets along, he's more comfortable with her than say maybe he would be around Juru or Tametomo. 
Because I feel like he maybe wouldn't be quite so openly goofy around them. And it's it's just really cool that we're expanding on other characters building and using their cure mentality. Like, because he's, that's a thing he's learning from Juru. He explicitly says that's a thing he's learning from Juru. And that's really cool. Especially since he's the oldest member of the team and he's really willing to openly learn from the cool things being accomplished by the younger member of the team, the youngest member of the team. Yeah, and it, it is really cool and charming. And I confess, though, I just wanted, before before he did the cut, just to be, okay, how many times have you tried this? Because I love a how many times have you tried this joke. Because, like, I'm sure he's responsible enough to have tested his, his uh, and then the blade is going to shrink move. But I just, I feel like they were leaving that joke on the table. Yeah, I do kind of wish we'd, like, someone had asked him and we got a flashback to him having, like, two bottles on a table on the roof and him, like, trying to hit one and then stop it before the other. Yeah, and and he just, like, you know, uh, then we just, like, cut to his foot where he's just, like, kicking two cut-in-half bottles away. No, I, it's cool. I know what I'm doing. I feel like that would have kind of drove home how excited he was about getting it right. Yes, but... Look, you know, he did the fist bump, and he was kind of goofy and excited, so it's it's fine. It's not a knock on it. I just, I have things yeah. I like. I mean, at least that seems to imply that he had practiced Yes. This. The bit with the hot dog was incredibly funny. I felt really bad for him, but again, I just, I love that he gets these really goofy bits. Yeah, seriously, it, it was really fun, and I enjoyed that it had a payoff at the end. But at the same time, I was like, you know, okay, fine, he gets to be funny, but dang, dude, that is rude, taking a bite out of someone's hot dog like that. That's not okay. Yeah, and out of, like, the middle of the hot dog, that's so weird. Yeah. I, well, I mean, like, it's great if you want to do a thing where he's going to pull off the, the wrapper and be like, oh, my hot dog! I mean, like, dude should have just at least ordered him a new one before calling him down for lunch. Yeah, just like, I got you, buddy. Like, here's the real one. I was just messing with you. Let me just take that one back. I just, you know, it's it's not even a big thing. It's just kind of just a funny bit. Mabushina hiding behind Sayo's cape was really cute. Being like, no, too spoopy for me. Yes. <laughs> so good. Uh, I'm actually really surprised that Juru is into, like, spooky stuff. But I think that's actually a cute detail for him, because horror is a really creative and interesting field, and I feel like he would be really into that nuance of it. Like, as he's now- like, I, he was probably really, like, freaked out by horror as a kid, but now that he's older and is into, like, creating, I feel like he'd really get into the nuances of it. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, that's why it made perfect sense for me, because it's, it's such an interesting- place to play around and if you want to go for some out of this world visuals that's just a place where you get to do it and get some weird inspiration and like honestly kids already got a lot of images of people dying going through his head what with his connection to king dad so like honestly he's probably got memories of dying in his head so i think horror movies are a lot more interesting to him now like hey, I just got a morbid streak because uh, I'm connected with a dead man. And then he just kind of goes even more into it. Stops being just Clive Barker, starts going for some hostile stuff. Actually, 
I don't know, probably goes for like some of the latter Juwan movies, because those got weird near the end. I appreciate them. Freaky as heck. Gave me just... Anyway, moving on. This isn't uh this isn't a horror cast, but yo, watch the Juwan movies, people. The the originals, not the American remakes, because Buffy's in one, it's kind of a greatest hits reel. Anyway, moving on, Sono. <laughs> I have to admit, usually the songs that they have a character come in and diegetically sing in in Otoku aren't great. I'm usually not super into them, but this one was actually pretty catchy. Yeah, I mean, for comparatively speaking, yeah, it, it wasn't quite my jam, but yeah, it had a nice beat. I could see why you'd like it. And more than anything, though, I just, I gotta give love to the presentation and just the whole aesthetic, the idea. Like, her whole deal is, uh, basically being Bloody Mary, but an idol. That's brilliant, and, okay, in case any of you were wondering what kind of nerd I am, um, there's, like, a window right in front of me. Uh, when I, like, it's right behind my, my computer monitor, so while I'm doing this, there is a reflection of me, and I had to duck so that my face was not looking at this reflection when I, when I said Bloody Mary. <laughs> because that's the kind of nerd I am. I just, I don't want to risk it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm actually very close to being 40 years old, and I'm that, like, nope, not gonna risk it. But anyway, I just think that, um, you know, scary ghost but an idol that's a great idea i'm surprised no one has used that before yeah no it's a really cool gimmick i just sorry i just i just caught myself like ducking down and i just everyone needed to know that that's the kind of person i am it's okay she only comes out if you say her name three times yeah and i've said it twice but i didn't say it while looking into the mirror so i'm fine uh it's just such a cool gimmick and i mean like the song isn't really my genre, but um, when I do notes, I watch the episodes at double speed, and it's actually really good at double speed. Oh man, I bet it would be. It'd be kind of a like, yeah, the dance pull, version of Pull itself. your episode up and uh, and uh, put it at two times speed and like listen to the song. It's actually like, it's really catchy. That's a, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm gonna do that after we're done here. Um, I love that Mabushina wasn't affected by the ticket because she's a rock. Like, it just couldn't get in there. That's I love every time the show plays with the fact that she's some kind of, like, crystal rock person. It's my favorite thing. Honestly, just the way it bounced off of her, and she's just like, what? While the, while the boys just pass out? That's so good. Like, I kept thinking they'd, they'd bring in an extra level. It's like, oh, it refracted off of you. Or, your habit of thinking can concretely meant that you weren't properly susceptible, since horror plays so much on the imagination, and you don't really do that so much. But no, it's just, no, it's just because you're, you're made of rock. Like, I don't know why, but that's a thousand times funnier. Well, I had initially thought, like, it didn't go in because Mabushina wasn't hypnotized by the song, because she didn't, like, like her, and wasn't into it, so it, like, it didn't affect her. But having the answer actually be like, nah, you're a rock, so it just, it couldn't get in there. Like, that was so funny. And, like, it just kind of flipped my expectations so hard. It's just, oh, is it about the spiritual condition? Nah, man, you're a rock. Yeah, lady's a rock. It's just, anyway, I'm just gonna giggle about that now. 
I also just like that anytime something happens, Sayo is able to just be like, yeah, I took an x-ray and here's what's going on. Like, having an actual medical doctor on the team really streamlines this kind of situation in a way that I don't really think we've had since Decoranger when Swan was, on top of the other, like, three departments she ran, the team's medical operator. Yeah, there was that episode where she just took, like, a day off and just everything caught on fire. She didn't even want to. They're like, Swan, you're being given an award, and she's like, yeah, no, they try and do that, like, every six months. It's fine. I have work to do. And they're like, no, no, go! And then half the planet almost blows up. So and she's good. like, Jesus, this is why I can't leave you kids. Anyway, it's, it is it is just really great until, like, we had that episode where Sayu got injured. Which, I guess, is why they don't have her get injured a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why you have her be too hyper-competent to get hurt. Also, I just... I love the detail that the ticket is a literal physical thing inside of them. That's that's the kind of quirky, off-the-cuff body horror I show up for Toei Tokusatsu for. And it's it's also very like Doro Hidoro, which, um, it's, yeah. I'm surprised how much I like Doro Hidoro. Oh, you finally got around to watching it, right on. I've, I've watched a bunch of it. Um, it's not normally my thing. That sort of thing isn't normally my thing. Um, I'm not very good at bloody violent things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, but, like, all of the stuff between that and Dorohidoro is so funny that I still really enjoy it. Yeah, it's like if Clive Barker... It's, my friends just have a, to watch it. Yeah, my friends just have to watch it before I do to tell me if there are any of the the injuries that specifically, like, really mess me up. Yeah. Which has only actually happened, like, once or twice. Yeah, but that's not the sort of thing you want to get just sprung on you. I, I, yeah, yeah I so it's it. just that, you know, they watch it beforehand, and they tell me if it's gonna happen, and if it does, they, they warn me when it's coming up, and I can just not look at it, and it's fine. It's, I, I just really love the characters in Dora yeah. Hidoro. That's because- like, everyone would... is just real good. The, the last one I saw was, uh, Blue Knight is the last episode that oh, I saw. Oh, okay. Dang. So I'm probably a handful behind still. But only a handful. But, um, I, like, I love Ebisu. <laughs> that... And that whole bit in Blue Knight was so cute. Uh, so I, I'm, I want to watch more. I really enjoyed it. Um, I sometimes keep forgetting that it's, like, the 3D. Yeah, it's... The, the cel-shaded 3D. It's, it's the... really well done. Yeah, it's the best, like anime done in with computer models i've seen period yeah that and um b stars i don't know if you've watched any of b stars but they also do the the 3d and again i very regularly forget except for like there are some motions yep. where i'm like okay it's that movement is that but like it's just it looks really well done mm. i have to watch more of b stars but you from what I know about it, you might enjoy it. I've I've heard a lot of I think stuff that has made me curious. I think curious it's somewhat anyway. of a murder mystery. It's more what? I think it's somewhat of a murder mystery. Yeah, something like that. That's that's what I've heard. It's it sounds neat. I just haven't been in headspace for it. Yeah, it's. I've only seen like three episodes because it was it was the thing we started like the week before everything went into lockdown. So I've only seen a couple of episodes. 
yeah, it surprises me how much I like Doro Hidoro. Uh, but the 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 ticket in the heart kind of reminded me of in Ryu Soldier when Asuna had the monster mm. attached to her heart, except not like on quite so horrifying a level of a dude you trust and care about is trying to murder you and blame your best friend for your potential death. Which I mean, like, look, this isn't gonna stick with us quite as powerfully as that one did, because. Yeah, well, I mean, like, this is a much goofier episode. Yeah, than that but was. boy, man, like you bring that one up, and I'm just I'm having all those feelings again. So, how dare you, you yeah, soldier? A... You go to jail. Yeah, how. Make me a How feelings. dare they make me feel so many different feelings about Nada? Yeah, not fair. Not right. I was so ready to turn on him. <laughs> I was so ready. And he's my favorite. He's my baby. Yeah, no, that's... Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I love that Shiguru does a kind of like, yes, you're right, but that's not the point. Like, kind of wave at fire when he says Shiguru is a hotshot and, like, popular with all the ladies. And he's just like, uh-huh, yeah, but we're talking about this. Like, we don't usually get to see a whole lot of ego from him, and it's this weird kind of brush-off thing. But it was really cute, and I really appreciate the depth that all of these characters have. That he's he's got these kind of little different bits of personality all coming through in this episode. Yeah, and it and it's all in those just little quick motions, like yes, but yes, but fine, or or the 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 cheering, and it's it's the same thing, like okay, Tamatomo has that soft spot for older folks, uh, so yeah, Shiguru, Shiguru is not an egomaniac; he's just someone who cares about doing his job very well, and they just they flesh out everything else about him as a person in just those little motions. And look, yeah, like, he gets excited when he gets to look cool. Yeah, which, look, fair dues. I, there are times I will just crow about cool stuff that happened because of a dice roll in D&D. That's just how it goes. But yeah. Which also makes me think that, like, he when he rejected EO, he wasn't just trying to look cool, because he was never self-congratulatory about it. No, he's just, yeah, I just told her what was up. And, like, they blame him for, like, oh, you just did it that way to look cool. And it's, he's, otherwise he would have been, like, oh, I gave her this really cool rejection, like, it was a movie, something, something. Like, there, I don't know if he would have said anything, but he was really emotional about the rejection, both in the flashback and when he's describing it. So I feel like he wasn't just trying to look cool, he was just trying to, like, not be a jerk. Yeah, he was trying to let her down easy, because, hey, she's a nice kid, she's just, you know, being kind of a stalker, and be great if she wasn't. Because, look, even if he is great at the lady, with with ladies, and gentlemen, I don't know, shrug, I, I don't know, he kind of strikes me as more ace than anything else, but, hey, who knows? People contain hidden depths and multitudes, and he's just, he's focused on his craft right now, and I respect that. But even if he was great with the ladies, as as his little motion implies, yeah, that really isn't the point. Fire? Like, Eos being a stalker, that is much more important to the fact that she's being a stalker than Shiguru doing his thing. Also, like, she signed on with an evil record producer, so I feel like that is also far more important than how much people might want to date him. Just saying. Gotta gotta get your priorities straight, Fire. 
I realize that that's sort of a thing that they should be doing. We should be talking to them more about getting the priorities on, on track, but that's just, it's not a thing we're doing yet because Juru wasn't there to be like, Hey, fire, just dial it down, buddy. I do love like the little moment of hope Shiguru gets as they go to Io's apartment and he's like, but if she's possessed, she's probably not here and I don't have to deal with this. And then she just appears behind him. So I thought good. that was really funny. Yes. I thought, like, the timing of that was really funny. And I feel like I should be more uncomfortable with the whole EO thing than I actually am. Like, even when she admits to, like, wanting to stalk him, like, her actions as his fan are intense, but not quite as intense as this thing has been in past iterations. Like, I remember the Halloween episode of Zuoger and that girl, like, stalking Tusk being way more uncomfortable. Yeah, that, mm, I didn't like that. Or even, I don't, like, I feel like this kind of thing happened in, in Kyoryuger a lot, and I was not into it there. Like, I don't know, Eo feels kind of harmless, I mean, she only seems to show up at his film sets. There was no real indication she was bothering him at home, I yeah, think. I, I feel like I'd remember that, which, you know, hey, good. She shouldn't be doing that. Like, maybe she's not a stalker stalker. She's just an inappropriate fan, which is not great, but is definitely better than a full-on stalker. Yeah, like... There were some apartment buildings that she was outside of, but they were, they all had, like, film equipment. They're, like, they're, like, there was a cherry picker outside, and some, some stuff that made it feel like he was on a set, or that he was, like, on a location where they were filming. And she doesn't even seem to be there all the time, since we had a whole episode where we watched him film a movie that we were at the set of multiple times, and she never appeared. And I know that's because she's a victim of the week and didn't exist, like, before now. But if she was really pursuing him that doggedly for that long, where she's showing up, like, every day at his sets, her absence before now feels really noticeable. That's a very good point, yeah. And it does... Honestly, it just puts her into a less frightful light, which is, you know, good, because, I mean, like, you know, her, her kind of stalking isn't going as nightmarish as it easily could. And that's good, because we're trying to play this all for a joke, and you shouldn't play, like, the actual, like, actual, actual stalking stalking as a joke, because it's not funny, it's actually kind of dangerous. It's not, it's not fun for anyone. It's just, it's a bad scene. I think the thing that really separates this is Sayo is right there. Sayo is another woman who is with Shiguru the entirety of this episode. And Io never comments on it. She never is acting jealous of, of Sayo or trying to separate Shiguru from the rest of the team. She literally doesn't care. So I feel like... I think that is really might be the deciding factor for me is that she doesn't, she's just really into Shiguru. She just thinks he's super cool and wants his attention, but she doesn't try and drive him away from anyone. She doesn't see anyone else as like a threat or something she needs to like deal with. She doesn't want to hurt anyone. Which, good. Good. <laughs> Yeah, like, I feel like that's really the deciding factor for I think me. that, yeah, that's pretty credible. 
because... Like, the, the absolute lack of jealousy. Yeah, she's not like, oh, is makes this your girlfriend? Makes her feel so much more harmless. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I thought you said you didn't want a relationship. Who is she then? Like, that never happens. That's so nice. Now that you bring it up, it's like, ah, yeah, that is very good. And I think it's actually kind of, like, cute and smart that she wanted to be an idol to get this actor to notice her. Like, to kind of put herself in the same space as him, where, you know, again, this is not his fault, but he's like, oh, well, I I need to focus on my career. So this would put her in a space where she could be, like, part of his career, because it's not uncommon for idols to also act. Um, I mean, look at that's every lady in these shows. Yeah, I was just about to say the uh, live-action Isaacan adaptation is just, like, three members of an idol group. Well, I mean, Eo herself was part of AKB, I believe. Oh, okay. Cool. So, I mean, she she is an idol who is acting. Yeah. So, like, the idea of Eo putting herself in that space to try and get closer to him, like, that's actually kind of smart, and she's obviously really talented. And I think if she hadn't been scouted by a literal interdimensional monster, and had gone to, like, an actual agency, she may have eventually just made a really good career for herself and probably would have moved on. Like, she still would have been his fan, but she would have been too busy being her own super cool idol to, like, follow him around all day. Which, you know, is kind of the ideal here. Also, I just, I do kind of wish they would have leaned on just, like, look, I'm not going to go out with you, but hey, that said... Here's someone at my talent agency who handles idols. Because, like, look, they might then say, it's your fault she wants to hang out, but, like, she's good at what she does, and it's nice to see that that gets recognized, and it would have been kind of cool if he'd recognized it, too. And also, like, she doesn't blindly follow everything Shiguru says, or even, like, ignore what he says. Because there's, there's a bit where he's like, I don't want to go out with you, though, and... She's like, oh, well, do you think I'm not good enough? And again, that's kind of manipulative. But the fact that she she's like, I, I want to be good enough. I put myself in this space so I could be, so I could live up to you. Which again, kind of manipulative, not great. But she does have her own personality under being a fan. She has other things she wants and she can figure out ways to get there. And we see a lot of that poke through as we get to know her. And I think that also really helps make it make her feel less awkward. Like, yes, her most upfront trait is that she's really into this one actor, but she's got other stuff going on. Yeah. Again, considering how easily this could go into some, like, creepy, intense, uncomfortable stalker stuff, like, good on him for making it clear that she's a whole person and not just this weird inhuman parody of a super fan because that would be a real freaking bummer um, when they expose the marskman and eo's just like whoa hey have have you been there the whole time not even like bothered that there's this dude literally on her back just like oh oh hey buddy how long you been there like that was really funny seriously just the way eo is just so deadpan about everything she's involved in made for some really great comedy this episode oh yeah like him just piggybacking on her invisibly it's just look we've criticized some things in this episode but the comic timing is not one of those things because <laughs> it's just it's too good 
just just the bit where he's like trying to get her out of the fight and use her as a shield so he can escape, and she's just like bapping him on the shoulder, like, "No, no, stop! I gotta say something to him." Yeah, yeah. I'm, hey, I'm in a conversation like, here. Has that conversation? Not even like she's not even having a conversation. She's just like, "Hey, wait, wait, wait! Before we go, I want to say something." Okay, I've said it. Let's go. Like that was really funny. Having the monster of the week deferring to the victim of the week is such a fun and interesting dynamic that we really never get to see. Yeah, honestly, like, picking up from a point I made uh, about episode 9 with, with Makino, but a part of me really wishes a bunch of these episodes was about Jotunheim trying to recruit humans to become their generals. Like, just doing the whole hook of Live Man as a thing for the heroes to prevent as our main plotline for a while. Like, hey, Toei, you can have that idea for free. Yeah, I mean, they do it a ton in Rider. Like, it was it was the whole plot of Forze, and it was a huge factor in build, and I know there are, like, definitely others that do it. Yeah, it just, it, it'd be cool to see it in Sentai too. is the thing. Yeah, like, it's, it's, just, it's even, like, a relatively recent thing in Rider. Again, like, build, Zeo kind of was doing it. Yeah, honestly. Like, I'm... Like, that was one of the just, cleverest ideas in Zeo. They could just recycle it, because that idea wasn't why Zeo was not good. No. It, rather, it was, it was rather, one of the few few things in it that was really good. Yeah, it's, it's rather, it's not one of the reasons I bounced off of Zeo, because, hey, I'm sure Zeo is someone's favorite. And, dear listener, if that's you, cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I hope you got something wonderful out of it. The frequency with which they do it in Rider makes me really surprised that they haven't taken a swing at it in Sentai. Yeah, I just, well, I guess it's it's probably because your your villains of the, or rather your victims of the week, tend to be like people you borrow short term, and I guess if you want them around more, you have to pay them more. I don't know. It just it would be great though. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know how much I want. A lady villain who isn't in a suit. Yeah, no, I dig it. But ADR is cheaper. It's cheaper to just hire a voice actress than a face actress. Yep, I guess. I don't know. Just seems like between the cost of making the costume, doing the upkeep on it, but whatever, you know, I don't I don't work for Toei. I, I do admit that I'm weak for song-based hypnosis, so I was super into this as a villain plan. I love that idea. Look, it's a good idea. There's a reason that that was such a big part of this satanic panic in the 80s. It's it's just, it's a gut-level good idea for a villain plot. Just sometimes people take it literally and it becomes part of, of just some incredibly silly ideas that people have. Yeah, I just, I really dig on the siren song thing. Yeah, it's I'm just it's super great. into it. Um, I do love that Sayo got to derail the whole plan by herself, though. Like, not even, like, her and Shiguru. It's just, she's like, oh, yep, I figured it out. And I fixed it. By myself. You're welcome. Like, the girl is a genius. She is a master surgeon in her mid-twenties. So, like, of course she could put all those pieces together and execute this plan in, like, two hours. But it's just, it's really cool that she got to. Yes. Especially in an episode that's not really about her. Nope, she's just, she's just off there being chill as heck. 
And, and you know, hey, look, it might not be about her, but it is about her teammate in Team Sky Mage. So we, this is just an episode about how Team Sky Mage is good. Yes. Love that Team Sky Mage. I really, Honestly, I really yeah. do love their dynamic. And, like, the whole bit of Shiguru making the middle of his sword disappear so he could hit the Marksman and not Eo was cool as heck. Yeah, it was. And if I were her, that only would have made me fall for him harder, which is the thing that Sayo even teases him about. Because even she, like, thought it was the coolest thing when he did it. I mean, look, it was pretty cool. But, like, I, I love the bit of her teasing him and being like, oh, I bet she likes you even more now. Like, they have such a great dynamic. They, they do. I am glad that they're on Team Sky Mage together. They can be their own little mini Sentai. I'm, I'm glad that we get to roll yeah, like they that. They just, they really work so well together. And I love how well that whole bit was foreshadowed by seeing him do the basic idea at the start and then being like, well, I could probably tweak it if the circumstances were, you know, a certain thing. And then tying that into the hot dog, having the middle taken out of it. Like, that's, there's so much building up to the climax of this episode. And it's all so clever and so fun. And the type of, like, weird, like three quarters of a circle sentai logic that I come for, especially in an Arakawa sentai. Yeah. And then having Sayo take all of that and iterate it to split up the robot to take the middle out so Garza would hit the monster instead of them was, like, that was really cool. And, like, all of these innovations are the team playing off of each other's strengths because, you know, this all starts with Juru coming up with new ideas for what they can do with the stones. And then Shiguru iterates on that and Sayo iterates on that. And even if they do have this Team Sky Mage sub-team, the whole team feels like one big team. And I've missed that in Sentai in the past few years, especially with how, like, divided Lupot was, where even the, the Lupin Rangers kind of just felt like three people who wore the same costumes. Yeah. And were not quite on the same team. And then, you know, the the they never really got on with the Pot Rangers, and that never really kind of gelled together in the way that I wanted. And even, like, I love the Ryu Soldiers, but they kind of felt like two separate teams. That they did. And it, it's nice to see those lines being much blurrier. And I think that's a thing that Arakawa is very good at. Arakawa is very good at writing five to six people that feel like a unit. Yes, that's very true. Because, I mean, you can divide this team up into several different smaller chunks. You know, you, you've got Team Sky Mage and Team, team Land Mage. You've got the two girls and the three guys. You've got Senna and Tametomu as kind of their own. They've kind of got their own dynamic. Like, That's there's true. lots they're of the, different dynamics. The, they're but team it, it competition. Comes, yeah, it's... But everything kind of comes together into one big team in a way that really hasn't been around since maybe Tokyuger. Yeah, it's it has been a minute. And... Maybe Zooger, but even then, no. like, yeah, it's everyone felt kind of s still separated. Yeah, 
just they they never felt like a unit. They never they always just felt like people who worked together and not really friends. Yeah. Except the girls cuz the girls felt very close, but as a unit they never felt like a whole we are people who are very deeply bonded to one another oh, in the way that not, a yeah. Sentai team is is meant to. Mm. And again, I just I think back to those early two thousand Sentai where Arakawa was either leading or was deep in there, and you know, Deca Ranger, Maji Ranger, Bokenger, Geki Ranger, they all were these deeply bonded groups of people. Yeah, and it was it's just very nice to have that back. And also that like on top of, of the the feeling of connection it's also just that thing where Arakawa's allowed, uh, just allowed to play with the mechanics of things, so that just like we're we're going off of that weird three quarters of a circle Sentai logic in in the team dynamics and the solutions, we also bring that to the robots because, like, I just imagine the kid, like a kid playing with it, with the toy, just like, well, why can't it split in half to avoid the attack? It's it's a cool robot. Of course it can do that. And now, yeah, Arakawa is just like, oh yeah, why wouldn't it be able to do that? That's a cool thing for a robot to do. Let the robot do that. Yeah, and it's look. I just I'm really happy that the fact that they have vehicle forms and are like separate vehicles is playing into this show. <laughs> yeah, because Go Kaiju is just like, uh... <laughs> Man, like, yeah. I love that you knew exactly where I was going. Oh with yeah, that. no. Which, like, look, and I understand it because every, every like, two-parter also had to basically reintroduce a whole other Super Sentai. <laughs> so, we yeah, don't and, have like, time. Yeah, they would then, they would then stick a whole new thing in the robot. And again, I get it, and I love the Gokai Galleon. That's, I love it. That's because you are a person of, of excellent taste. I don't know if y'all remember around the time that uh, we were hitting Power Rangers Megaforce, uh, and we were hitting Super Megaforce, and they said they were going to do Gokaijar. And I was like, okay, so where's the Megablocks Gokai Galleon? And that I had been, like, demanding that be a thing since, like, Samurai. And when we got it, I absolutely lost my mind. I don't like I love the Gokai Galleon, but, like, why is Don's vehicle a race car? <laughs> And I mean, again, I have my theories. I, I think a lot about Aka Red's team, and that was his boat. Yep. And I assume that they all belong to his team. But that's not the text of Gokaijer. Nope. Oh, Gokai Galleon. It, it's just a thing where they're like, you know, we gotta have five things that turn into a bigger robot. And he's like, I don't... But there's no reason why can't it just be the boat? And it's like, because we need five things to sell to turn into the robot. Alright, fine. They're there. Like, I just imagine in, like, the first episode, and then the the vehicles come out of the galleon, and then they turn into a robot. It's fine. Then the robot puts on a jaunty hat and adjusts it, because it's a cool pirate robot. Yeah, it's, it's just the fact that they never once address where those, like, why those are there. Yep. It's just, uh, it's just, it makes me so happy every time. It, it's also just because it was such a big thing in Bokenger that the vehicles were separate, even though they weren't sentient, but they used them so much. 
they use them as vehicles constantly. And I thought that was really great. So it's, I'm just happy to see it here. And like, I love Gowanger where essentially you get like 15 extra characters through all the vehicles. And, but so it's just, I'm, I'm just happy to see it here. I'm glad they put the effort in. Same. Um, and while I personally would have fallen harder for Shiguru from that sword Which, move, yeah. I adore Io's chaotic bisexual energy when she dumps him immediately, and then is like, mm, because I like her now. Look, say one thing for Io. You say she's got good taste. And I also love that she explicitly asks Sayo to date her. Not just some, like, big admiration where someone could play it off as being as like Eo wanting to be like her and wanting to be as cool as her. No. Eo's into girls and she wants to date Sayo. Yep. Like I again, like I, I talk about I've I may have eased some of my stances about needing it to be explicit, but boy when it's explicit, I appreciate it. Man, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love Naki. Not to not to derail us too hard, but I love Naki. I love that like Eo is canonically, explicitly, textually bisexual. I love it. Give me more. Make it happen. Teach it to the children. And I, I also appreciate that Shiguru isn't like disappointed when this happens. He's not like, oh no, this girl doesn't like me anymore. Like he doesn't. He's he at the end. He's like, yep. This is fine. I still want nothing to do with this. I'm glad that you've moved on. And he's willing to take a kick to the stomach in order to not have to deal with this ever again. Yep. Hey, guess what, Sayo? Better you than me. Bye! (laughs) This is your problem now. Hey, you know what I'm going to do about this? Um, What's that? Nothing. It's not my problem. Bye! (laughs) Because, I mean, like, that's just a thing that I hate when, like... Oh, yeah. You know, the the girl that, that he doesn't want moves on, and now he's like, oh, but I actually did. He's like, no, no, thank God. He's like, I, I'm glad that you've realized this is not ever gonna be a thing. This pain will be gone in, like, two days, and I'm free for the rest of my life. <laughs> but, man, it's not Sayo's problem for long, because she just continues to be... A big gay awakening for a lot of little girls in Japan. Wow, yeah. Because, look, I'm just going to say, her tilting Ia's head up, and just like, you should find someone who will truly make you shine. Like, (sighs) Juru ain't kidding. That was dashing as heck. Yeah, dang, girl. Like, Sayo out there just breaking hearts, and look, I have no trouble believing that, because I Every now and again, it's just like, that's little canon, yo. But she's just, she just embodies that larger than life, like, oh goodness, I want senpai to notice me thing. And just, I have no trouble believing just lots of girls out there are going to be all kinds of hard eyes at her. Because, like, I was just watching like, dang, that wrecked me. I mean, like, look, I know I am. Yeah, I know I'm hard eyed as a, like imagine if they had let her act in Common Rider Ghost. Right. Look at what she can do here. Imagine if they had let her act. But no, they just needed her to be sad and just say, Onichan, like oh, poor girl. I again I, I love though that 
there's that interview where she basically just throws the shade. Yeah, I spent a whole show just getting saved. Now I get to transform. So proud of her. Proud of you, girl. Yeah. Mio Kudo, you're doing great. Yeah, doing a great job. You're doing absolutely great, honey. Don't change a thing. Just keep on keep on getting to play uh, the world's best. I mean, I don't know if Sayo's bi or if she's just gay, but she's a woman who loves women, and uh, I support that. I think, I think honestly, here on Laser Knees, we are absolutely pro that. Oh, yes. But... Uh, I, I read her aligned as distinguished by. Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah. Like she, she's the distinguished by. Uh, I don't remember the rest of the alignments. I know. I don't know who. Maybe Tommy Tomo would be the disaster by. I could see. I could see him being the disaster by. Yeah, I think he's, that is definitely a dude who is on the edge of being a total disaster. Eo, of course, like you said, she's got she's chaotic by. But you know that's fine. Or, you know, like. Shiguru, Shiguru, I can see being like the disaster ace. I feel, I feel a lot of that because that's my energy, and I feel a lot of similar. I feel that kindred energy coming from him. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where sometimes you you look at a character, you're like, mm, you're one of mine. What does that mean? I don't know, but we can smell our own. Game recognized game. Yep. But yeah, so on top of everything else, we just got Sayo being freaking amazing. <laughs> And just becoming, like, the heartthrob of the show. God, but in yeah. a way, no other lady has been the heartthrob of the show. And I, I appreciate no, that she has not... a completely just her own thing with that. Yeah, it's, I feel like Amu could have been. Could have been. Wasn't. In in a better show, she could have been. Yeah, but just Sayo out here just breaking all the hearts, getting everyone to fall in love with her. Even rocks. Even the rocks love her. What you gonna do? I, though I do love that apparently uh, Helico just falling in love with her. That's just gonna be a, a, a elite motif going forward for her. What happens? Oh, All yeah. the ladies love her. And she's just, look, she ain't got time. She's busy being the world's greatest surgeon slash Sentai member. Just amazing. Uh, so yeah, do we have any, any other like final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, I mean, just, you know, the hiatus starts this coming week, um, and by this coming week, I mean literally right now as I'm saying this sentence. Yep. Because... At the time we're recording. Yep. The the hiatus is on. Uh, so this very moment, so next week, uh, we do still have one episode of Zero One that we might talk about, uh, because a lot went on in it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's good. That's but, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do that. those top five lists. Maybe we'll do some other stuff. Who knows? It's a mystery. It is, because the future doesn't exist and time is an illusion. So, for all of us here at Laser Knees and the rest of the TOOL network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sona. And shine on, you crazy diamonds. <laughs>